Hey, church, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 3. John's message is, is extremely timely where we find ourselves. And, and what I find John emphasizing, not only in John chapter 3, but throughout uh, the, the gospel of John, is, is this really simple but lifelong message. God is here. He, he's being revealed to us. He dwells amongst us. And, and so what, I, what I've done is, is, and you'll see it in the notes section, I wanted to take a little bit of time um, to walk through John chapter 1 through 2. And in that, the notes section, I put together a PDF where you can see that there are intentional messages that, are, that John's getting across, obviously. Um, but there's something that I, I really want to highlight for us. Is I believe what John is doing is that he's highlighting these three things. That we would see that Jesus has been revealed. That he's here amongst us. That it would, it would compel us to believe. It would compel us to begin to trust him and align our lives with who Jesus is revealed to be. And that we would also see this revelation that God is at work. That he is the God that raises us to life. That he is the one that brings light to humanity. And so in that first uh, space that you'll see in John chapter 1 through 2, um, I believe really emphasized by John is that Jesus is revealed. That he's sent and he's here amongst us. And so you'll see John described throughout John 1 through 2 is, is messages like this. That he's the light that shines in the darkness. The word has made his home among us. The unique one has revealed God to us. The very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. It's Jesus. The one that he becomes the stairway. He's the one that becomes the stairway between heaven and earth. And he is the temple of the living God. It's this message from John for us to be able to grasp. You have God's home address. You know exactly where he's at. And it's here. It's amongst us. Jesus has been sent to us. He's the bread that's come down from heaven. And so in other spaces, you see John writing in, in, in another one of his letters in 1 John chapter 1. He starts off by telling us, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He's the word of life. And I just get this picture of John staying up at night. Right, laying down and lying down in his bed and right before he falls asleep, just being floored. Like, I can't believe I got to be a part of this. I, I see John as someone who knows precisely where he's at in the pages of human history. He's telling us we've seen God. And not only have we seen him, we, we hung out with him. We went fishing with him. We touched him with our own hands. We sat down and we had dinner with him. See, John just floored by this reality. Like, how in the world is this real life? How in the world did I get to be a part of this? I don't know about you, but I've had those moments in my life where at the end of the day, I just stopped and wondered, like, man, how did I get to experience that? There's just two examples that I want to uh, sh share with us today. The first one's a little bit more silly. The second one um, has been life-defining for me. The first one is, is when I was living in L.A. Uh, quite a few years ago, um, I was invited uh, by a man that I knew in the church that I attended and, and served at uh, 
to be a part of the crew that clears out all the flowers um, on the red carpet after the Oscars took place. So what we would do is we would arrive, um, we would go backstage in a holding area while the Academy Awards were happening, and then we'd come afterwards, and often we'd sit in the bleachers as all of the celebrities are, are exiting before we could get to work. But the first time that I went, uh, I took the wrong elevator, and I ended up walking the red carpet. I was in a t-shirt and jeans walking the red carpet with bump shoulder to shoulder with celebrities as fans are lined behind fences cheering us all on and I remember waving but then also calling the guy that hired me and told him where I was at and he wasn't too happy with me but I continued to work uh, that job for quite a few years the, the second one was eight years ago and it was at nine o'clock in the morning and it was the moment that I got to hold our our first son it was holding justice and in that moment being filled with tears and completely floored how's this real life how am I getting to experience this how am I with my hands able to hold this precious life and I see John writing to us we saw him with our own eyes, and we touched him with our own hands. He's here, and he's amongst us. The word has made his home amongst us. But why communicate this? Why say this over and over and over again? So that we might believe. And that's that next part of John's message that I, I want us to circle on. What he's writing to us, and I believe what so many of the apostles are writing to us, is that what we have seen, we want you to share. We have experienced the presence of Jesus. We have had the revelation of God being here amongst us, and we desire for you, for you to share our joy. And so John makes sure in John chapter 1 through 2 to highlight the ways that people believed, but also the ways that people didn't believe. And that's that walking in light or walking in darkness that what we are compelled to do is to make a decision that we are either going to align with or reject the light that has come into the world. Again, look at that spreadsheet when you get a chance, but you'll see John writing out for us. John writes about John the Baptist, and, and he says that God sent John the Baptist to tell about the light so that everyone might believe. He talks about how the disciples believed in Jesus. And after miraculous signs, many began to believe in Jesus. And after the turning water into wine, many began to trust in Jesus. But like Star Wars, there's also the dark side to this. And you also see John writing in, in chapters 1 through 2 that Jesus came into the world but wasn't recognized by his very own creation. That, that when John the Baptist is amongst the religious leaders, he tells them right here, in the crowds is someone that you don't recognize. And John also talks about John the Baptist and says John the Baptist himself confessed that he didn't recognize who Jesus was. And so there's this warning that's on, uh, on play here for us. And it's this understanding that we might not recognize Jesus. Even though he's here amongst us, we might not know it and we might reject believing him rather than following him in this light and the reason that we would do that is because we would rather hold on to or be focused on our way 
of life. And so believing then is this ongoing practice of embracing Jesus for who he is revealed to be. And the reason that that this flow is happening so that we might see the son and believe in him is because we at the through that process would discover this is a God who brings life. This is a God who raises us up. Why, why be so determined for us to believe? For life, so that we might have life. And so John, in chapters 1 through 2, you'll see him, again, emphasize and emphasize this same thing. He says, this is the word that gave life to everything he created, the life that, that brings light to everyone, the one who makes us children of God, who causes us to be reborn, who takes away the sin of the world, who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He's the best wine. He's the temple that we broke, but God raised up. And what you would see in all of this is that you see a God who is motivated by a desire for us to live in the light, to raise us up, to see that this is a God who is working on our behalf. And so John uses the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus to persuade us to see Jesus and to believe in him so that we might have life. Let me read John chapter 3, the first part of John chapter 3 to you. We'll go all the way to verse 21. It says this. It says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Uh, exclaimed Nicodemus. How could an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, You're a respected Jewish leader, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you don't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone, ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone in who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world. But people loved the darkness more than light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light, and refuse to go near it for, their, for fear their sins will be exposed. 
But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. So what do we see on display in this conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus? Is that I believe that what John is doing with, with this conversation is to also, again, emphasize that same pattern where we are compelled to see Jesus, provoked to believe in him, and then discover that there is life in him, that this is a God who raises us up. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us, um, but your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus hears that statement, and, and with it, it's like he now walks Nicodemus to a clearer understanding of who he is. And so it's not just that, that God is with Jesus, but Jesus uses words like the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And to use words like Son of Man and God's Son and God's one and only Son, that would, that would provoke something within Nicodemus. That would cause tension and wrestling within him. And it, it's the space of saying, okay, will I believe in who Jesus is being revealed to be right now? Or will I reject this revelation of who he is and continue going on with my own understanding with him? And isn't that the work that God desires to do within us? And, and, and as we read of who Jesus is and as we discover who he is, as we see his character on display, as we see the way that he interacts with humanity, that it is meant to, to be something that causes tension within us, causing us to have to deal with, wrestle with, will we believe in this Jesus that is being revealed to us? That as the gospel writers describe how Jesus interacts with humanity and how he teaches the ways that he encounters humanity, interacts with them, will we believe in the Jesus that they are describing to us? And this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, it is so beautifully handled by Jesus. You notice the character and the nature of Jesus on display. We're told that his motivation is not to judge but to move us to salvation so that we might believe in him. You see, Jesus is patient with Nicodemus. Actually, one of the things that's thought about, the reason that, Jesus, that Nicodemus comes to Jesus as, at night, some people think that it's because Nicodemus is scared and he's, he's afraid of what people might think about him to go and, and have this encounter with Jesus. Actually, there's a lot of uh, theologians and commentators that look at this and actually find that this was a common time in the day for rabbis to get together and, and to discuss theology and an understanding of who God is. And so you see that this environment that they're in is actually a space for them to have this ongoing dialogue. And you see Jesus is, is slowly giving understanding and, and clarity to, to Nicodemus. You also see that Jesus is encouraging to him and, and he calls him a respected teacher. But you also see that Jesus has expectation. This is Nicodemus, how is it that you're a teacher and you don't understand these things? And so what I see happening is that Jesus is, is pushing towards Nicodemus towards learning. Towards a, and not just learning so that he might know something more about God, but I really believe that the aim here is transformation. That, that, that we might discover who God is 
And as we believe in who he's revealed to be, it would have a transformative work within us. See, this, I, I believe as followers of Christ, we are called to lifelong learning. And so we, we do things like have meaningful uh, conversation with one another. I believe that we are to be readers. And listen, that's not a process that I have always loved, and it's still something that I regularly struggle with. In college, I would intentionally set aside an extra half an hour uh, for my reading for the day, and as I was opening up textbooks, because here's what would happen. As I read, I fell asleep. I would just, my eyes would just get my eyelids would get super heavy, and as I was reading, I would just doze off. And so I had to create space to fall asleep, wake up, and continue to reading, uh, continue reading. But but it's this. But I'm discovering and continuing to push into that habit because I want to know this God more, and not just to know about Him. But belief is this place of giving our life over to him, surrendering who we are to him, finding that we are giving our allegiance to him. It's the space of saying, God, I've I've learned who you are, and it's completely redefining how I'm living. And what is John provoking us to believe? What is he compelling us to believe? It's this. God loves the world. And how did he love the world? He gave his only son. That's what we're called to believe. Called to to be in the space where would you see the son and and would you be just awed by him? Would it provoke hope within you? Would it fill you with hope? Would you see that this is a God who loves us and that this is a God that has our life in mind, desires to bring life and light to us? And you would think that would be an easy process. An easy process to be in the space of saying, yeah, I believe that God loves me. But I am continuing to see that that is an ongoing journey. Because we, we, navigate, we navigate the valley of the shadow of death. We navigate trials. We navigate troubles. We navigate pain. We see uh, brokenness around us. And, and so sometimes that becomes so loud that we, we forget the Lord's faithfulness and his goodness. We, 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 it isn't solidified within us that, that he is good and that he is here and he's, and he's working and he loves us. And so that process of learning that he does love us is ongoing. And so we do things like spend time talking with one another to encourage each other to remember the Lord's faithfulness and his goodness. We do things like spend time in prayer so that we might grow in our awareness of his presence and his work in our lives. And even through the process of going through trials and going through pain and going through troubles, we find God meeting us even there. And I've seen that in my own life that it's actually in those deepest valleys that I become most I become most aware of God's love for me, because it's in those spaces that all of a sudden I find Him bringing peace, and I find Him bringing rest, and I find Him bringing assurance, and it causes me to stop and to remember, man, you love me, and you continue to be after me and for me, and that that this is how He shows His love, He gives, and actually there's there's it's just 
you see the Trinity beautifully demonstrated in, in John chapter 3. You see a father that gives his beloved. You see the son that is lifted on the cross. And you see that the spirit is birthing new life. This is a God that is at work. This is a God that's on the move. In John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And as I thought, stopped and thought about that verse, what it's caused me to think about is that this new birth is meant to be something that helps us keep on seeing what will provoke hope within us. It's not going to be our works. It's not going to be our ways. John relates that to staying in the darkness. What provokes hope within us is our growing ability to see the kingdom of God at hand. And so the Spirit is at work giving us new life, causing us to be a new creation, and to see that our belief, our life, is centered on a God who loves us and shows, his, his, shows us his love by giving us all that he is and all that he has. John, over the pages of his gospel, of his gospel narrative, he's helping us to see Jesus. He's helping us to have a greater understanding of who God is. This is a God who brings his home among us. This is a God who heals, who provides, who's moved with compassion, who lavishes us with generosity. This is a God who serves. This is a God who washes our feet. This is a God who prays for us, who doesn't abandon us, but gives us a helper and a comforter. This is a God who gives us eternal life, where we know that death and sin will never have the final word. So as we wrap up our time together, let me, let me encourage you, let me ask you to spend this week to see Jesus, to recall, to remember, to become aware that he is here, and he's here amongst you. He dwells there with you, wherever you might be, that Jesus is being revealed to humanity. But then it would also be the space of saying, God, I, I want to follow who you are. I want to grow in my surrender to you. I want to be in the space where I am continually finding my life in alignment with who you are. And that you would also see him bring life. That you would see the light of God brightening your day. And by that, I mean that you would see that ongoing work of renewal, of refreshment, of reconciliation, of, of, of resurrection happening in your life. That you would see the Spirit's work to do a real and powerful work within you so that you would continue to see that God is here and his kingdom is at work in this world. Let's pray. God, thank you that you dwell here amongst us, that you are here. And I pray that what would happen for us this week is that we would grow in our ability to see you. 
and that our response would be to surrender all that we are and all that we have to you. Lord, may it be the case that we really can say, Lord, I'm, I'm coming to know you and it is redefining every space of my life. And the Lord, I also pray, would you bring life to us this week? Would, you, would we see you establishing hope and faith and assurance within us that you are at work in our lives, around our lives, and through our lives? So Lord, we love you and we stop in this moment together to remember, to recall, and to celebrate your faithfulness and your goodness. Pray that in Jesus' name.